Welcome to the Highland Church Podcast, where we share biblical teaching to glorify God and to bless you. This year, we're talking about my part, God's plan. God has a purpose for you, and that purpose is a part of God's bigger plan for the world. Now, if you connect with what you hear today, I hope you'll join us online Sundays at 10 a.m., or that you'll join us on-site right here in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, let's jump into today's teaching, and don't forget, you're part of God's Hey, thanks for being here with us today. Before we get going this morning, uh, we are going to be in Matthew 25. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament, so the second half of the Bible. If you've got a Bible and you want to turn there, we're in the 25th chapter, starting in verse 14 this morning. Thank you for that. Today, I'm going to preach a little bit of this sermon, but the majority of the sermon is going to be preached by one of our families, and they're going to share their story on video. It's an incredible story. I want to try to anchor that story in God's Word this morning beforehand, and then we'll go there. And so let's start by prayer, if we can. God, I'm so thankful to be here this morning. What a sweet and precious gift it is to join with your saints to declare your praise. I pray, God, that you would pour out your Spirit upon us, and that you would open up your Word to us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> I like to ride my bike early in the morning. I've told you all that while the kids are still sleeping. And I ride from my house into Shelby Farms, and so to get there, I have to jump on the Greenway, which is that paved trail that runs along the Wolf River. And if you've ever been on there, you know, I mean, it's beautiful. It's really special, one of the best things I think we have in Memphis. Along the Greenway, there are these metal bridges that cross over low areas that come in from the river. And they're probably 20, 25, maybe 30 feet off the ground, these bridges. And you ride over them, and you look out, and you can see the river. They're pretty sweet little spots along the river, along that trail. So the other day, I'm riding early in the morning. I'm riding up one of those. And each of those bridges has a little hump in the middle. And I see, cresting the rise in the middle of the bridge, a little bunny rabbit. And I think to myself, that's the cutest little bunny rabbit. Look at that little bunny right there. And I'm just riding towards him, just thinking how sweet this bunny rabbit is in the middle of the bridge. And then I I get high enough to see on the other side of the bridge, reaching the bridge from the opposite direction, exactly when I am, is a runner pushing a stroller. So he's coming this way on the bridge. I'm coming that way. And in the middle of this bridge is this little bunny rabbit. Okay, so I panic like you're panicking right now. Noticeably, the runner does not stop. Because runners don't stop for anything. That's like the rule of running is once you start, you can't stop. This is why you don't trust runners. Who runs, right? So the runner, he's not stopping. And this bunny, I see the terror in his eyes. And so I pull over off the trail, and I'm like, come here, little bunny. I love bunnies. I had a bunny when I was little. He lived to be old and fat. Just come here. Come here. I'm nice. And all he heard was, I'm going to eat you, little bunny. That's what he heard. And so he looks at me, he looks back at the runner who's coming, and he jumps off the side of the bridge. Just right off the side. Okay, let's go to God's Word together. <clears throat> You're like, what happened to the bunny? Okay, so I, my eyes are just wide. I can't believe what just happened. The runner doesn't even care. This is just business as usual for him. Okay. I run to the side of the bridge, and I look off, and I'm expecting to see fur everywhere and ears over there and a little fluffy tail over there, and I look down, 
And there's the little bunny rabbit swimming in the water, swims to the side, gets out and hops off, just like that. He probably jumps off that bridge every day. He just, time for a swim. Okay. Uh, I've been so looking forward to telling that story. Okay. How often is that what life feels like? Can't go forward, can't go backward, don't know what's coming next, and you're afraid. And fear can be paralyzing, can it, when you're afraid to take that step forward. Fear can be a scary thing. We're about to start another series on the book of Acts, but August 7th represents a really fearful moment for a lot of people, right? It's a transition moment. You got all these young people, our students who are about to start school, maybe at a new school, certainly got new teachers, new friends, right? That's scary. We got parents who are sending their kids off to school, maybe parents sending their kids off to college. We got empty nesters for the first time. That's terrifying. We're talking about starting married life, right? We got so many couples here who are dating or newly married. That's a scary thing. And, we, and then on top of that, we got this vision of building up the next generation that we've been talking about as a church. You know, we've got these ambitious goals that we think are from the Lord. Pursuing those goals is going to require a lot of us, and that can be a frightening thing. And it's possible, you know, to like see what's next ahead of you and just freeze and be paralyzed. I think that as the people of God, it is our responsibility to always be asking What's next? What's next? I don't mean that in the sense that we're not content with what God has given us and placed in our life, but I think, and I'm going to try to make that clear to you in this passage we're going to look at in Matthew 25, for those who have received great gospel blessing from the Lord through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, adopted into his family, for those that have been entrusted with that blessing, Much is expected. And so at a moment like this, it's right for you to ask, what's next for me? With the blessing of God that he's given me, what do I do with that? Okay, come with me to Matthew 25. The bunny was fine. Matthew 25, let's pick up in verse 14 of Matthew 25. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, and to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money, what, to work. And he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. Sorry, I lost my place. You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done. Now pay attention to these two words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. 
The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Uh, These three guys are at an August 7 moment. It's a crossroads moment. And they don't know what's coming next. Here's what they know. The master has entrusted them with great blessing. What do they do with it? What's next for them? How do they make gospel decisions as recipients of gospel blessing? How do you do that? Well, did you notice that two of the servants at once go to work? You see that? Two of them at once put this money to work for the sake of the kingdom of God. Jesus is talking metaphorically here. They put this money, this blessing to work so that there might be a return for the Lord here. But the other servant, those two do the right things, the good and faithful one. The other servant doesn't. And if you read down in the passage, Jesus asked him, or the Lord asked him, the master asked him why, and this is what he says, I was afraid. I was afraid. And the master has really harsh words for the servant that was too afraid to think about what was next and to make the right choice for the sake of the master. Just pause here for a moment. Pay attention here. If fear is making your decisions, you will make the wrong one. Look at that. If fear's making your decisions, you're going to make the wrong one. So, we could preach a whole sermon on that, but come back with me to the, the other two sermons. Look at what he calls them. Well done, good and faithful servant. And it's those two words I want you to pay attention to today and hold on to. I think these two words are maybe the most important. They can be guiding principles to you as you think about how you make gospel decisions in the world. I want to make decisions. No matter what's coming my direction, no matter what's coming next, no matter how frightening that might be or difficult that might be, I want to make decisions that are good and faithful. Now, in the context, I want to focus on good. On the con- in the context, what faithful means is not fearful. The faithful servants are the ones who were not afraid and paralyzed by fear. And in the context, what faithful means is a return on the investment that the Lord has given us. So I'm going to build a return to, do- to bring back to the Lord. Whatever I'm going to do, I want it to bring more praise and glory and honor to the master. So that's what faithful means in this case. But what does good mean? Good is one of the most important words in Scripture. What we know about good is that good reflects God. This is what we read in 1 Chronicles. Come with me there. Give thanks to the Lord for He's what? Good. So what goodness is, is Godness. Are you with me? Good's one of the first words used in the Bible, one of the most important words. It shows up where in the Bible first? Genesis 1 at the very beginning. When God creates a world that is in perfect alignment with his design, with his character, and with his will, 
And when the world is in alignment with his will and design, what does he say about it? It's good. Okay. So what faithful means is not fearful. And faithful means a return on the investment the Lord has given us. But what good means is doing it in God's way. Whatever you do, do it in God's way. That's what makes it good. Okay, so I want to make decisions that are good and faithful. Not only a return on what the Lord has given me, but I want to come about that return by doing it in God's way, no matter what. So the other day, one of my friends, apparently the lottery number is really high right now, and one of my friends asked me, Eric, if I win the lottery, will the church take 10% from me? And if I want to give it, not like we're going to come knocking on the door, give us your 10%. If I wanted to give 10% to the church, would that be okay if I want it from the lottery? And I just paused, and this was a really tough ethical question. And he said, what if I didn't tell you it was from the lottery? I said, that'd be great. Go ahead and bring it. That'd be fine, okay? All right, okay. The, the principle is it's not enough to seek a return on the investment or the blessing that God has given us for the sake of God. I've got to do it in God's way. So I've got to do it in a way that honors God. I've got to do it in the good way. So, you know, the principle, if you think about what this passage is trying to show us, is that I want to live my life, I want to make gospel decisions that are good and faithful. If you were going to write something on your door before you walked out the door each day, you might write, good and faithful. But let me point out, good doesn't mean easy. What it requires of the servants is work. At once they went to work. I mean, think, think about it like this. If you have, you know, do you remember back in the day before we had um, GPSs on our phones? And so you would have to carry around a map and stuff. You remember all this? Okay. Well, now you have on your phone and you type in a destination and it's going to tell you the fastest way. And if you take this route, it adds three minutes. If you take this route, it adds 15 minutes. So the filter that's applied to your decision making is easiest and fastest. What if there was another filter that was goodest? Right? Okay, then let's say you're trying to get to the other side of a mountain. The fastest way might be the tunnel that goes right through the mountain. The goodest way might be this gravel road that winds up the mountain. You have to go over boulders. You get your Jeep all scratched up and stuff. But you get to the other side, and it's worth it. Well, the message of Scripture is that sometimes the hardest way, the goodest way, is the right way. And, and this is what's maybe most important about this passage, what Jesus says is the good and faithful way is actually the way into your master's happiness. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've heard in my office somebody say, I just want to be happy. And what they usually mean by that is I just want it to be easier. When in reality, the easier way often leads us far from happiness. Far from it. What if I made my decisions when I was thinking about what, what's next? Not about what's easiest, but what's about what's good and faithful. Okay, I told you I was going to preach half this sermon. Now for the better half. We got a family here who recently made a decision that was good and faithful. And you're going to hear about that, and I'll jump up and, and close this out afterwards. But let's hear their testimony. My name is James Nallen. It's my wife, Ann, my oldest daughter, Emery, my son, Case, and Maisie Lee Nallen that we just adopted 628 22. 
This journey started um, back probably the spring of 2021. And James and I had some time, just the two of us, um, at dinner one night, and we were talking about sort of what was next. Uh, for us, ministry-wise, we had kind of the last decade had uh, poured our time and attention into uh, mentoring. Uh, we were talking about what we were gonna do next. And so we just talked a little bit about foster care, maybe might be something we would like to explore further. We, we definitely weren't ready to like come back and sign up right away, right? We were. <laughs> No. We just mentioned it. Three or four days later, um, I became aware that Maisie had been born, and I just felt this immediate uh, calling uh, that we should get involved. Well, I actually at first said, like, yes, like this, we want to do this. And then I stopped and I said, I should actually probably talk to James about it first. Um, so Anne <laughs> uh, came home one day and she started telling me this story of who this little baby was. She was a sibling of Marley Terman and also Jaden and told me about Cindy Pitts and her, her story and also about Ty. The, the more I heard about Maisie's story, we would be able to keep her close to her siblings, close to her maternal um, grandmother, um, Cindy. They'd be able to attend church together as well. And I thought that was something that would be important. And so, you know, we started to really, really think about it, or I started to really think about it, and I think it already decided what she wanted to do. <laughs> well, we took some time to, to pray about it really intently, and but I think kind of because it happened so quickly, um, we didn't really have a lot of time to think, which I think was good because even in our initial discussions about fostering and maybe adopting at some point, like you can overthink and the more you think about well what your life is like now and our kids were older we could travel we could go to dinner without arranging a babysitter and all of these things so the more time you have to think kind of the more time you have to talk yourself out of jumping into something that the lord may be calling you to do so i think the fact that um we didn't have a whole lot of time to think about it ended up being a a, a blessing we just we just jumped in and and moved forward we spent a lot of time with Maisie um, during the initial few months, and then we finally, uh, the juvenile court uh, awarded us uh, guardianship of her, and we were we were able to take her home in August of uh, 2021. So it's been a huge group effort um, to get us to this point. Cindy Pitts, the Termans, everybody at Highland, you know, the the church's adoption ministry has been very, very supportive, and we're so thankful for that. Um, so many people here have encouraged us and supported us. What did you think the uh, first time you saw Maisie? She was really tiny. She was tiny. Um, I was excited. I thought she was going to be amazing to have as a little sister. My favorite things to do with Maisie are playing with her in her room, I like to pick out her clothes, and um, she thinks I'm really funny, and I like her laugh. And um, she really likes to dance. So we finally got an adoption day, um, 628. It was on the court's calendar for that date, and it was surreal. <laughs> um, it seemed, you know, uh, at some points that this day would never come, maybe. And you spend, you know, 
for over a year, that's all we thought about was what's the next thing. And our life sort of revolved around this journey, but the, the, um, judge was great and, um, just said some really sweet and wonderful things. It was just a sweet day. Early on in this journey, um, even before Maisie came home from the hospital, she spent several weeks in the NICU. Um, you know, we felt, we felt called to this. Um, we felt strongly that this is what God was calling us to do, and we were following His lead. And uh, there were some real challenges in the beginning, and at times it really felt hopeless. Um, you get to the point where you kind of start to doubt if this really is what God wants. Why is why are the, all these obstacles uh, showing up? And so you start to wonder: Is this what we really are supposed to be doing? Maybe it's not what we're supposed to be doing. And I just remember during that time period, almost every Sunday when we would come to church, it felt like Eric's sermons were like preaching. He was talking directly to us. I don't remember the the sermon themes for all of them, um, but one in particular I do, and I don't think I'll ever forget. And that was the sermon about that um, he is Lord of the sea that he sends you on. They've been obedient to his calling in their life, and they have found themselves in the middle of the sea struggling. And as I go and I enter those times of suffering and difficulty where it feels like I might drown, either I am going to be rescued or I am going to see his glory and maybe not both, but whichever it is, it's good for me. And so I'm going to go where he sends me, trusting in why he sends me, trusting in the one who sends me because he and only he is Lord of the sea he sends me on. God affirmed us through this whole journey, through people, uh, through other circumstances. And so that day, that was just so encouraging to hear, just because things are hard doesn't mean that He's not there. He is still there and He is still in control. Um, the waves may get bumpy and you may feel hopeless, but He is there and He's going to take care of the situation. And so that was so encouraging. And again, I don't think I'll ever uh, forget that, that just how the Lord affirmed us all the way through, even when um, we were having doubts. Uh, he never had doubts, and He saw us through um, all the way. You all look very happy. <laughs> <laughs> this right. must be a happy occasion. All right. Well, I am happy to announce to you, uh, Mr. Nolan and Miss Nolan, that you are now the proud parents of Maisie Lee Nolan. Let's celebrate. And um, our extended family um, that we have gained through this process has been one of our greatest blessings. Of course, Maisie is the greatest blessing um, through all of it, but uh, just the relationships that we've built uh, with the Termans and with Cindy and um, their kids. I just feel like our family grew by a lot uh, that day that we decided to move forward. And we're just so grateful. Um, we love her and we love them. And we love this church who uh, encouraged us to even take that step forward, um, not overthink it and just uh, get in and do, um, because that's what God calls us to do. He doesn't um, call us to be fearful, but to just step out. So we, uh, Emory actually uh, came up with the name. So our, our big extended family is called the Perlin family, which is a mixture of Pitts, Terman, and Nowlin mashed up together. So um, we're very grateful uh, for our Perlin family and pray that um, all of our kids um, 
will grow closer over the years and um, just know how special it is that they have each other. Uh, <clears throat> hey, so uh, <laughs> Rush showed me that video, and I knew that was a far better sermon than I could ever preach. And in fact, it probably doesn't matter what else I've said today or I'm going to say in just a moment. You're only going to remember this day as the day you decided to adopt. Uh, you don't remember anything else about this morning. And I hope that maybe you will. You know, part of our vision that we believe is from the Lord is that we will support more adoptions and more foster placements here at Highland. And so if God's putting that on your heart this morning, then uh, let's pray about that together, and I hope so. But maybe not. Not everybody's called to adopt. And out here in the commons today, there's a sign-up for a brand-new ministry called the RAP Ministry. And this is a chance, if you can't adopt, to adopt a family that has or a family that's fostering and just to support that family. And there's more details about that in the link. You can find out more information out there at the table. But you might check that out. But again, that's not for everybody. And what I, heard, what I hope that you heard in that video is that they were in a moment where they didn't know what's next, but they were wisely asking God and asking each other, what is next for us? And they decided that fear wasn't going to make their decisions, that they were going to make their decisions based on what was good and faithful. Good, not easy, and faithful, not fearful. I was talking to Amy Terman, who's Jaden and Marley's mom, who are Maisie's siblings, some of her siblings. There's also... Ty, who's with Cindy, okay? But I was talking to Amy the other day, and I had just watched this video in Russ's office, and I saw her that night at church, and I was like, Amy, this video. I saw it. I was in Russ's office. I was crying, weeping uncontrollably. I was snotty and stuff, and <clears throat> she was like, yeah, he makes good videos, but I want him to make another video about how hard it is, <laughs> you know? And she's got Jaden at her side, and she's wrestling his hair like that. I said, oh, Amy, it doesn't make it look easy, but it makes it look so good. And she reached down, she kissed Jaden on the head, and she said, it is really good. At the end of his life, Paul looked back on his ministry. He had endured all kinds of hardships and difficulties in following where the Lord was leading him and doing it God's way, the good way. But near the end of his life, he's arrested. He's in Jerusalem, and he stands up to speak to all those who have arrested him, and he says this to him. He looks straight at the Sanhedrin, and he said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. Don't you want to end like that? Well, the way you get there is at moments like this, August 7th, moments like this, days like this, you determine you're going to make your next decision based on what's good and faithful and nothing else. Right? Let me say a prayer over you as you leave this place. God, I'm thankful for your body that's here. I'm thankful for the tremendous story of Macy's adoption into the Nallon family. I'm thankful that they can witness to that story this morning. That's your story, God. The reason it touches us at the deepest place is because it's a gospel story. It's a story that reflects what you have done for us through Jesus Christ to adopt each and every one of us into your family. And when we see that, God, we realize there is nothing as beautiful and good as that. But we recognize, God, that was not easy. And in some ways it was a very scary and frightful thing. But your son, our Lord, was faithful and not fearful. And he did what was good and not easy. 
And so, God, we thank you for him, and we pray in his name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.